Austrian Heroes podcast and the second part of our 2023 review show. In part two, we will discuss our best original graphic novel, our favourite writers, favourite artists, favourite publishers, favourite single issues and favourite number one. So let's get into it. Moving along from there and it's on to best original graphic novel and shock horror it's a clean sweep from a certain creative team that if you listen to our reviews pod they get mentioned every couple of months anytime a new graphic novel drops because the work is always of the highest quality i mean there were two that were released this year from the the powerhouse team of ed brubaker and sean phillips or i should say powerhouse trios we'll throw jacob phillips in there as well on yeah. colors uh just as important to these books as the aforementioned creators and those two books were night fever and where the body was and for me i just about edged it with night fever just had a little bit more of a cool noirish almost supernatural feel to it which i really really enjoyed as one man sort of descends into the the madness of european nights and sleepless nights and mm-hmm. it's uh, just a great exploration of uh, a man who has everything in his life but still wants what he doesn't have or what he shouldn't be uh, what he shouldn't have access to so to speak you know you want to hear more about night fever you can certainly jump into our october review show we went into some some deep reviews on that there but where the body was was a more recent release and uh, a little bit of a departure from brubaker phillips i thought yeah absolutely that is my choice uh, <laughs> of the best original graphic novel as you say no surprises brubaker uh, phillips and phillips it was i mean i love the reckless stuff i love pulp i mean so i, I love that i love that stuff i love night i mean night fever and uh, you know as, as a as a palate cleanser but this we pay attention whenever whenever they release a graphic novel this was definitely a departure but it still lived up to their well-deserved reputation so the story deals with the residents of a it's not even a small town it's a neighborhood it's almost a street yeah a neighborhood community or a street community and how their many uh, stories are interrelated during the summer of 1984 and uh, you know ed brubaker just weaves these stories together like an intricate tapestry to the point that the fact that there was a body and someone's been murdered is almost something you you, you can you nearly forget about uh, <laughs> it's uh, there's a, a huge number of characters and yet through through Brubaker's writing and through uh, Sean Phillips art each of them are individuals uh, each of them are distinct and distinguished just great I love I love any book that starts with a map Conan starts with a map this, variant cover that had yeah, a map yeah, on it yeah uh, this starts with a map, so it just it, it evoked that uh, mid eighties feel. Just some fantastic characters, and you learn enough about them that they're you know yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to reading it again. Uh, I'm going to give it to Bruno to read. It is a bit of a kind of a murder mystery, but also a character piece. It's pretty saucy. There's a lot of sex in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking that myself. It's just, it's a very different book to what they do before, you know, even just some of the narrative devices they use, whether it's characters talking directly to the reader, almost like they're being interviewed on a documentary. Yep. Um, that was certainly something I hadn't really seen done in Brie Baker Phillips before. It even had that sort of neighborhood, like Goonies type feel or well, that's something. That's what I meant to it. about the 19th, mid 80s yeah, sort of just, thing going on. It has that sort and of. Especially the kid that was pretending to be a superhero. Yeah. And I mean, there was, yeah, there was an interviewing element to it because you know all those characters were interviewed later in life about yeah. what happened uh i always i, I never even thought but it seemed like they were being interviewed by ed brubaker <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah no that's fair uh but yeah it just all ties together brilliantly towards the end but i mean I suppose one of the reasons that the the sense of humor comes through a lot more than their previous books as well is even just what the title ultimately ends up meaning and uh you know obviously there's this body there's this mystery there's all these different motivations of all these different characters of how they might have been the ones who were guilty of it but then the ultimate reason is something actually quite farcical uh-huh. which is actually really really yeah interesting. Uh, yeah and that you only find out about that in uh, in an epilogue yeah so that's my choice for ogn of 2023 and that's phillips Phillips and Brubaker, or Brubaker, Phillips and Phillips, uh, where the body was. So a clean sweep this year, once again, for 
that uh, amazing creative team and no doubt they will be high up the 2024 list as well so moving on from there we go on to best writer now this is always a, a good category to get into because one of our main things in store is always follow creators you like so if you find a writer's style that you like or you, you find an artistic style you like you're best following those creators rather than following the characters themselves like don't just blindly follow batman or spider-man or, or that kind of thing so when it comes to best writer i think it's probably no surprise what mine is given that uh, i get consistently accused of being a uh, fully paid up member of the cult of of the cult of keen but i think this year i really do think he's head and shoulders in terms of output and variety he's he's done work across dc he's done work with uh boom studios he's done work with image comics and almost every one of them i think he's knocked out of the park i mean you you look at his his dc work first of all wonder woman what a what a relaunch that's been you know we we had maybe three or four people on wonder woman before tom king came on now there's sort of 25 26 people on it uh working with daniel sampar the art's a big part of it of course as well which is which is consistently excellent he finished off a great 12 issue maxi series with human target with greg smallwood again mm -hmm. absolute masterpiece i mean that, that that was up there with the best of the year for me he put out with phil hester the the six issue miniseries gotham city year one which was excellent as well, going back to the, the dark roots of Gotham that existed long before Batman came along or before the Waynes were murdered in that alleyway. Another of my favourite titles this year, The Penguin. I mean, a, a title based around The Penguin has no right to be as good oh as it is. Oh my goodness, that is such a book. We're, what are we, six issues Six now? issues in now, we've just started the second arc. Yeah, and is it going for 12? As far as I'm aware. I mean, yeah. King does like his 12-issue series, Rorschach, Human Target, etc., mm -hmm. etc., so uh, that, that would be probably a good shout. That first five were absolutely phenomenal. Effectively, it's a... It's a, a build, the build, build the team, putting the team yeah. together, you know? It's it's kind of Rick and Morty, you son of a bitch. I'm <laughs> in, but no no way, because it was it was Oswald strong-arming everybody, you yeah. know, despite the fact they're all much more physically capable than him. He is just ruthless and putting together the team he wants whether they want to be part of what he's doing yeah. or not issue six which i read this week look at you all caught up in your post uh, i tell you was the first page i was like oh change of artist but as you say it's the start of a new arc and by the second page i was i was right there and the art was suiting exactly what they were doing playing a wee bit with a canon i yeah. think maybe i'm mistaken in an interesting in way in yeah, an interesting yeah. way and it, it certainly was a, a canon that makes sense as well it shows off oswald's intelligence it shows off his long-term planning it shows off his his penchant for people underestimating him but him coming out on top no that issue was was thoroughly brilliant i mean i i would be loath to say to someone that it's a starting point because it is a brand new arc just mm. because that first arc was so strong but it wasn't really related to the first arc so you could jump into it and go back but i do think it's one big story yeah because it was looking back rather than than looking yeah to where oswald well, it'll all come together. It'll all, it'll come, all come together. together. And I mean, I, I know this is your choice of, of writer, but <laughs> Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is a book. I have never been as interested in what's going on. Tom King does a great job of taking modern day issues. Weaving them through superhero books. Weaving fair. through superhero books. Yeah. And wonder woman has just been issue to issue the writing is on point the the match with the artist is absolutely per anyway sorry this is your choice <laughs> not at all not at all even the backups have been wonderful as well you know it's the trinity I, it? yeah i'm not a huge fan of the the backup format yep. i do sometimes think the backup story is a little bit of an afterthought there are exceptions of course and this is definitely one of them but yeah it mostly deals with wonder woman's daughter trinity and damian wayne and jonathan kent yeah uh, as a essentially as like the successors to the, the the original trinity i know nothing about that kid yeah i know nothing uh so i didn't realize that she was diana's daughter yeah well that's what they build up to i mean we'll talk about this more when we reach best single issue of the year but that's there, there's even a throwaway line in that where diana sort of says oh can you imagine me being a mother but we'll get to that in a bit anyway okay. but yeah outside of his dc work you know he, he put out some great stuff love everlasting with elsa chartier that's through image comics which has been really good fun animal pound it's only had one issue really so far it had and an ash can, can yeah and then the one issue that's with uh, peter gross uh, mm -hmm. on art and it's sort of a 
a modern retelling of Animal Farm. So, yeah, I just think output-wise and variety-wise, it's right up there. And as you say, getting people to care as much about Wonder Woman as they have, certainly in the comics, um, yeah, know, I mean, is, is the, no mean feat. The action scenes in that book have been great as well as the you know the the backstory and the the real story that he's telling yeah uh, animal pound is another one where tom king is taking the issues of today and showing that animal farm as a book is probably Timeless. more relevant today <laughs> unfortunately than it ever was yeah unfortunately so so yeah my best writer for this year surprising absolutely no one is tom king and uh what about yourself for me i mean you're leaning towards a writer who has been waiting towards DC a little more. I'm going to count you there with a writer who has been definitely waited towards no. uh, Marvel a little more. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh, Englishman Al Ewing. I think Al Ewing was maybe my choice last year as well, but I can't remember. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Must, might be worth checking in the I archives. I should have looked that up. Al Ewing has been doing... He's one of, he was one of the three architects of the Krakoan era. Um, so... That's where I'll start, which is with with X Men Red, and the work that he the work that he did there on X Men Red and Sins of Sinister. X Men Red was very much the it was an epic book. It was the the Martian book, hence Red. So as you know, uh, a couple of years ago, the mutants took Mars and a few Alpha mutants uh, terraformed it. Planet sized X Men. Planet sized X Men. Yeah. And it became the place where the uh, the mutants from Morocco and some of the mutants from Gakoa moved. Uh, it, it featured Storm and Magneto. It featured Apocalypse. And it became this war. There's, there's no point in me going into it now. We'll be here all night. But it became <laughs> this this war for the planet uh, Araco, um, Mars, uh, between uh, Storm and Magneto and the mutants and another group of ancient mutants from another place which ran through Excalibur and a whole lot of stuff but an absolutely phenomenal book Storm is just every bit the goddess uh, every bit the ruler um, and uh, Magneto currently he's writing the resurrection of Magneto which is a storm heavy book and is the, the capstone to his X-Men Red book I'm really enjoying it the first issue was, was phenomenal uh, beyond the X-Men stuff we have, of course, Immortal Thor, which you and I are both on. Very much so. Uh, a great book drawn very, very heavily on on deep um, Norse lore and Asgardian lore. The Utgard Thor and the Utgard uh, Loki Tyrannus, uh, the god of thunder and lightning, and uh, that, that sort of negative aspect of Thor and Loki and, and all of that. Very, very interesting stuff and exploring the nature of the Odin power and Thor as the Allfather just just great i mean he wasn't going to use that uh, immortal subtitle lightly was he he's he's been dealing with a corner of the marvel universe that ha it started with his his ant-man uh, was it a five issue or six issue run miniseries uh which was 2022 to 2023 then wasp which was 2023 yeah. uh, and he's finishing that off now with avengers incorporated which featured wasp and another character victor shade but not the victor shade who is the alter ego of the vision mm -hmm. and that has been brilliant that has been really good um so i'm i'm very much enjoying that i'm very much enjoying the style of those books and then the other thing that uh, is worth mentioning is a book that i really enjoyed and that was the fury 60th anniversary special which mm -hmm. was another uh, al ewing special where he explored the various roles that nick fury has has occupied whether that be Nick Fury, Howling Commando, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, uh, Nick Fury, Head of Shield, whether it be the the Man on the Wall, associated with the Watcher there, um, or the Unseen, he was he was effectively exiled, and that was explored through his son Nicholas Fury Jr., the the character who would be Samuel L. Jackson's uh, mm -hmm. role. So, I mean, done an awful lot. Always writes with a with a depth. And with an understanding of the characters, so I just can't I can't speak speak highly enough of uh, of Al Ewing and uh, and the work he oh Venom as well of course the work he's done there, uh, which has been phenomenal too. He started off 
alongside Ram V, didn't he? Yeah. And then, and then uh, Torin came in, yep. Grombeck came in and is doing both. But it's it's the same sort of split, isn't it? It's Al Ewing's doing the Eddie Brock stuff, the more sort of high concept stuff, yeah. the more out there stuff, shall we say. And then the alternative writer was basically dealing with Dylan. Yeah. Um, so as you say, it was Ram V at the start and then it moved on to Torin Grombeck doing that as well. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a slow burner, the Venom series, but it, it's... I def- genuinely think it's come on an awful lot in the last eight to ten issues, but it was I, a bit of a slow burn. But it's it's been worth it. I am much more taken with the Eddie Brock, the King mm. and Black stuff, than with the Dylan stuff. They are they're two different sides. One's cosmic and timey wimey, and yeah. the others and very high concept, as you said, and the others a bit more street level. Yeah, uh, but I'm incorporating even Black Widow in at this yeah, point and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and Black Widow will continue to wear the Widow symbiote mm-hmm. through the upcoming Black Widow and Black Widow and, Black and, Widow and, Black yeah. Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah series coming up soon as well so yeah i mean i can't argue with that choice at all i mean i, I think both choices from us just sort of showcase their versatility and their their output which has obviously been a of a high standard but b just a lot of titles this year as well so uh so yeah so unsurprisingly to everyone mine's more dc leaning keeps us more uh <laughs> marvel leaning but we will move away from best writer move on to best artist and we're picking an artist who is synonymous with uh, both of us are picking artists that are synonymous with neither company. That is true. So More ups and downs here. What will come next? Absolutely. So for me, best artist this year, it's it's a, a little bit of a slight cheat because there is a, a, a book that they finished off in the very, very earliest remnants of 2023. Uh, I think there was one issue released in 2023, but it was also my favorite series of last year, which was Do a Powerbomb. But the main reason that I have chosen Daniel Warren Johnson as my artist of the year is for Transformers alone. This is seriously the best looking, most well thought out book on the shelves in terms of the energy in the in the book, the action, the emotion, how it's conveyed, the human characters, the diversity of characters, um, the scale of it. Um, I can't say enough good stuff about Transformers uh, so far. I mean, I'm not even the biggest Transformers guy. I back when the, the the cartoons were at its height and stuff like that, i was more of a thundercats guy not that you had to pick one or the other but when you're a kid you know you're like this is this is the best thing in the world and you usually choose one so i was more of a thundercats guy but that particular itch will be scratched soon as well courtesy of declan shelby and drew moss with thundercats number one launching very, very soon. Wait. yeah no daniel warren johnson his style is just it's so unique in comics as well it's it's simultaneously cartoony but realistic but larger than life but as I say, a motive, and although it didn't come out last year, I was I was away recently, and I read Murder Falcon, uh, all in one sitting, which was an eight issue miniseries he did, and again, art and that is unparalleled. He's had a very distinct style for years, and uh, I think he's just moved far more into the mainstream this year with Transformers. Mm. You and I spoke very highly before as well about Better Ray Bill, which was a great five issue oh, series. Lovely, yep, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth as well from previous years. Yeah, just enjoy those Transformers issues while you can. He's only doing the first six issues. He will be staying on as writer, which is a great thing. Obviously, keep that continuity. Uh, and Jorge Corona, who's taken over Transformers, is no slouch. You know, Middle West is a glorious oh, book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a good choice there. But yeah, these these six issues are something special. And from the second you opened that book, you were just, you were transported. Yep. You were yeah. transformed, if you will. <laughs> oh, I um, regret that already. I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't speak highly enough of, of do a power bomb either uh, i'm not the wrestling fan that you are but i picked that up in store and brought it with me whenever i was traveling uh, i was delayed at an airport and just devoured it and, and you were glad you were delayed as you uh, tore yeah. through it <laughs> oh it was so so good uh, him writing and art on it with mike spicer i think yeah long time colors they yeah. always work together and you can see why it just brings mm-hmm. the best out of his so work. So it was very, very good. Do a bomb, fantastic. Transformers, brilliant. Better Ray Bill, all over. It, it's a little bit of a, a white wheel for me this year, but I'm determined to get an original page of Daniel Warren Johnson art. Mm-hmm. I have looked back through the back catalog. He's, he sells his stuff through a, a site called Felix uh, Comic Art. Mm-hmm. They represent loads of artists. I have looked back the last five years. There's not one page available. No Do a bomb, no Dead Earth, no Transformers, no Murder Falcon. <laughs> It's outrageous, but oh, man. that's a white wheel search for this year. So yeah, so my choice for artist of the year is Daniel Warren Johnson. And what about yourself? What have for you me, opted for? Uh, it's a little out of left field. Uh, it is an artist, an artist and writer who 
I became familiar with in 2023, and that that individual is Simon Kudransky, uh, who is an artist and writer, as I said. His work can be found at DC Comics in titles such as Superman Action Comics, Green Lantern, previous iterations, not current, uh, Batman the Dark Knight, Penguin, Pain and Prejudice, Green Arrow. He's done Punisher for Marvel, uh, Avengers, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Punisher was with Rosenberg's run, yeah, which is a really right. good run. Yeah. That's right, and, and a bunch more. In 2010, Todd McFarlane brought him on as the full-time interior artist for Spawn. And uh, more recently, he has started uh, an imprint, a studio under Image Comics called One Man Art, publishing his own creator-owned stuff. That creator-owned stuff started, I think, with something epic, mm-hmm. which is... Epic? Epic. It is. It's a, a brilliant story. Again, he right, he's the writer and artist on it. It's about, it's about creativity. It's about a man, disturbed individual, whose creativity sort of explodes from him into the real world that appears initially to be a, a kind of mental illness. But as the story develops, we find... A, he, he finds the source of all creativity and he he becomes he he understands that he is an epic which are a, a small group of people across generations whose whose flow of creativity is is a is exceptional and a, a power in the world um but that's not what the spout and then blood commandment more recently as a i think it's about three issues and it's it's like a vampire story now yeah. that's interesting because he started with steve niles and 30 days a night in 2004 yeah uh, so going back to to what he knows i guess but what really grabs me is the photorealistic style mm-hmm. of his art there's no one else doing it it's it's almost mixed media stuff so as i say it is it is photorealistic but there's a lot more going on it heavily stylized yeah it's the only person I could almost kind of compare it to is almost like a slightly more photorealistic version of Martin Simmons mm-hmm. uh, from Department of Truth and, and others. I wouldn't make that comparison. It's a lazy comparison, but in that, that mixed media way that Martin yeah. Simmons draws, but just with a, a more photographic style, mm-hmm. really beautiful to look at. You just the, the stuff he does always has a bit of a horror tinge to it blood commandment especially so yeah. and the art style very much adds Lends to that it's, to it. it's very edgy it it brings it brings a realism to it that i think makes things a little more scary a little more mm-hmm. uh, than the, the four color goodness that we're used to so my chosen artist of 2023 just because of the impact that they've had on me this year is uh, simon kodransky Fine choice, fine choice. A, a good book that I'd, I'd recommend too that he did just prior to something epic was actually he collaborated with Steve Niles again and did a miniseries called A Town Called Terror, ah. uh, which is all about a man who disappeared and was taken back to his dark roots um, in a town that shouldn't exist. Good book. I think it might be coming back at some point, although now that this was pre him setting up the one man art, so maybe his focus is more on that, so he may or may not go yeah. back to it. But, okay. but yeah, good book, strong book. Are you uh, reading on either something epic? Or I'm reading. Uh, I've stored up, I think, seven issues of something epic. Um, it's on hiatus at the minute. It's coming back in March. I'll maybe I'll maybe jump in that this week. It's a quieter week, sort of single issue wise. Um, but yeah, I am on Blood Commandment. Yeah, I'm three issues into that. It's really good. It's weird to say it's good fun, but yeah, it's all about a dad protecting his son, and the dad's a vampire. Comes from a line of vampires, and he's being hunted because he's on the run and he wants to protect his child from it and stuff like that. So yeah, good book. And yeah, very striking art to it. Uh, I think my f- first uh, exposure to Kodransky was, yeah, Rosenberg's Punisher. I'm pretty sure, mm, yeah. which was uh, a few years back, but yeah, fine choice. Simon Kodransky and Daniel Warren Johnson. So, for best writer, best artist, we reverted to type. <sighs> Sorry, for best writer, for best artist, we went outside the box. Sorry, folks, we're going back to type here because the next one is best publisher. It will surprise no one <laughs> that I went with DC. Now, I do think this was a banner year for DC. I don't think the last few years have necessarily been banner years in the same way this year has because DC sort of got a bit of focus last year. And well, I say last year, 2023, um, because what they did is they, they went with this Dawn of DC initiative. They started announcing titles slowly but surely throughout the year. Uh, and with Dawn of DC, there was loads of number ones bringing back of multiple characters, you know, the if you go back two years, I would say 70% of DC's output was Batman-related. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's far less than that now. I think it's maybe about 40%. There's far less mini-series. You've obviously got your ongoings and stuff like that. But it was great to see the return of a lot of legacy characters this year. You know, Green Arrow got a series again. Joshua Williamson, Green Lantern got a new series. Jeremy Adams, The Flash and Wonder Woman both got relaunched with brand new creative teams. We mentioned Wonder Woman with Tom Keane and uh, Daniel Sampar. Uh, Flash got relaunched with Cy Spurrier and uh, Mike Diodato Jr. Uh, there were some great black label titles throughout the year. And as I say, it's... It's maybe a, a point that you know Keith and I are maybe a bit more aware of these days is that we have been trying to sort of not necessarily cut our pull list but maybe focus more on quality. And I think that's easier to do with DC at the moment because they have had such a reduction in titles and that helps the wallet as well as the amount of time for reading. So mm-hmm. yeah, just a lot of my favorite books this year were DC, were DC, you know, Batman, Gargoyle of Gotham, Penguin, Wonder Woman, Human Target, GCPD, The Blue Wall. And that's before you even get on to your ongoings and stuff like that. So, yeah, I do think this was a banner year for DC. So, surprising absolutely no one, probably sure the year for me, is DC. <laughs> I could throw a, I could throw a, a spanner in your works now and choose something completely different. But no, as you said, <laughs> we've reverted to type for this. Um, so my, I mean, that was, that. Uh, th- those were all great reasons for your DC choice and all ones that I can appreciate. Most of those books that you mentioned are books that I'm also on, uh, and I totally see that. Uh, for me, just the quality of uh, the quality of writers and artists that uh, that they currently they currently have, and some of the the outstanding titles uh, makes Marvel my publisher of the year. I've just I really I, I feel like they've really picked up this year. Yeah. So I mean, we've got Jed McKay uh, on Moon Knight on Avengers. Uh, we had the end of Jason Aaron's Punisher run and then Jason Aaron jumping ship to DC, but he'll be back. We have, uh, we've already talked about uh, She-Hulk and Sense- Sensational She-Hulk by Rainbow Royal, uh, Andres Ginelay and Dee Cunliffe, a few others, uh, which was my, uh, one of my books of the year. We have Immortal Thor by Al Ewing. We have She-Hulk's cousin, uh, Bruce, with uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, Very stellar Hulk. title right there. So, I mean, there's, there's a, a whole lot uh, going on. I really like their sort of street level slash mystical side in the last year. You know, you've had your Ghost Rider, which yep. I just think is is up there with the best stuff. You know, linked with Moon Knight, linked with Wolverine, Daredevil with Wolverine. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of great Marvel titles this uh, year as well. Brian Hill's Blade, phenomenal. Straczynski's stuff. Captain America, which of course was my choice yeah. for ongoing yeah. of the year. And Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly have been doing some phenomenal stuff on Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I believe it's coming to an end. So they seem to be specialising in short-ish runs. They did ten issues for Guardians, and it's um, it's finished off with an annual. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so and they did some similar with Captain America, yeah. where they did sort of fifteen issues and then finished, finished off, off Cold, Cold War. War. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my uh, that would be my best publisher. So anybody who placed those bets for the most obvious choices when it comes to our favourite publishers of the year, you can collect your winnings. <laughs> DC for Alan, Marvel for me. So we move away then from best publisher and on to best single issue for the year. And uh, for this one, obviously, I talked a little bit about um, and in best writer, about the relaunch for Wonder Woman, with starting from Tom Kane, Daniel Samper, talking about it being one of the strongest reasons for my pick, as, pick of DC as best publisher was Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman issue four is my best single issue of the year. And what I mean by best single issue is an issue that perfectly encapsulates either a series or a character or what a creator is trying to do with that character and wonder woman number four had everything it has the spread of disinformation for how the american government is being turned against diana and against the amazonians it has the 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 secret puppet master behind pulling the strings of who the real power is you know there's there's even a scene in issue four where the president is down on his knees in the oval office kissing the ring of said puppet master um, but more importantly than that it perfectly encapsulates diana so despite everything that's going on in this world with the news feeds consistently pumping out negative stories about um, wonder woman and even at one point there's a story about a soldier who took his own life he left a note saying that the reason he did it was because wonder woman essentially emasculated him by defeating the army in a fight in a previous previous issue I do have to wonder if that note is even genuine or if that's part of the doctored media. This is what's really yes. interesting, those extra layers. So despite all of this, our focus on Wonder Woman in this is actually being at the bed of a sick child. 
and granting yeah. essentially the equivalent of a make-a-wish. So um, we're introduced to Diana sitting in this house, sitting across from two parents who are less than thrilled that she's there, but they unfortunately have a son who, you know, is, is dying. He's, uh, I guess the, 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 the crux of it is they're less than thrilled, but they invited her because that's... Because what, that's the child's yeah. less wish, exactly. And, and, and that strikes home to me, certainly, you know, having become a parent in the last year and a half as wanting to honour your child's wishes, even above your own sort of, your own beliefs, your own principles, I suppose. Basically, you know, there's this great moment where Diana's by the bedside and the parents are saying, oh, you need to wake up, you need to wake up. And he's saying, no, no more doctors. You know, I can't fight anymore. I, you know, I you know, don't want to focus on all this negative stuff. And then he opens his eyes and sees Diana standing there and his face just fills with joy. And, you know, Diana was essentially his hero. And all he wants to do is go to Paradise Island and live like an Amazonian for the day, so to speak. Uh -huh. But Diana as well is sort of persona non grata there at the moment, but she's like, fine, hop in the invisible jet and, you know, off we'll go. Um, there's a great scene talking about how Diana has her own will and you will not step on that will. If she's determined to do something, she'll do it. And then there's like this lovely two-page spread where they're just doing all these different activities. They're fishing, they're eating, they're playing in the forest, this and that. But the issue is already amazing at this point, but then it starts getting into an extra layer where the boy is talking about, is there something wrong with me? And that's why I'm, yeah. I have this disease because when I was growing up, all the boys like Batman or Superman, but I liked Wonder Woman is, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of uh -huh. sort of different layers and stuff there. So the art the whole way through is completely on point, you know, Daniel Samper's mm -hmm. stuff, whether it's, he, he makes a, a, a page of 12 televisions telling newsreader stories, interesting yeah. oh, and yeah, visually that was, you that, know, captivating. That sort of set, it set the scene and kept it very much in the in the narrative of the first three issues yeah. while still telling a different story. Yeah. A story which I have to say sort of reminded me of the it, it definitely has it definitely has elements that link it to the spider bite issue. Oh. Um uh -huh. certainly yeah. from Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man when Tom Taylor was on that run. It it it, it did invoke that to me, but it the strength of it is that it doesn't feel derivative because of those extra layers. Yeah. The spider bite one was very much kid's last day wants to be spider-man his dad's his hero like his dad's yeah, stilt yeah, man yeah, and yeah. stuff and all that kind of thing but with this this almost seemed like it's weird to say it in a way but a more real world take of it if that makes sense in that you know it still had the harsh realities outside of this yeah nice thing yeah. dana was doing it's i mean which it's what it's what tom king is doing with the entire series it's a he's, t he's telling a real world story yeah. with a through the lens, through the of, lens of, of immigrants yeah, and through exactly, you know yeah. all this kind of stuff so i mean wonder woman in, in in general the whole book has just been ridiculously strong so far but i think issue four stood out as my favorite issue and as i say encapsulates i think what tom king's trying to do with this series and uh therefore for me best single issue of the year is wonder woman number four interesting so um, a dc book yeah, absolutely. Yes, I think we are reverting to form <laughs> here as we close on the end of our best of 2023. Because mine's a Marvel book, uh, <laughs> and, and I am not ashamed of that. Nor um, should you be. My choice is, it's a one-shot, but it's a one-shot that was related to a series that is then related to a line. That line is X-Men. Uh, that series is uncanny spider-man which stars uh, everybody's favorite frilly blue elf nightcrawler and that book is x-men blue origins number one uh, which was written by Cy spurrier with art by wilton santis and marcus toe there's two different uh, streams of art one set in the present one set in the past so Uncanny Spider-Man, if you haven't been reading it, has Nightcrawler masquerading as, as a wall crawler uh, in New York to avoid uh, Orcus, the mutant-hating uh, uh, militia that, are, uh, that, have, that have thrown the mutants off Earth. And in order to try and continue to help mutants, uh, Nightcrawler is masquerading as the Uncanny Spider-Man. And key to that series, which is also written by Cy Spurrier, is Mystique. Uh, Mystique has is suffering some kind of breakdown and looking for her child uh, and doesn't recognise Kurt, our own Nightcrawler, as her child, even though he's, he's trying to tell her that. Um, so it's very much a, a Mystique and Nightcrawler book, 
so the, the background is Mystique was a member of the Quiet Council and she's had very few comics dedicated specifically to her in the last few years and during that that whole um during the whole Krakoan era so as I say this this spins out of the developments in in Spider-Man where Mystique has shown to have gone rogue and her actions been of great concern to, to Nightcrawler he's been first-hand witness to, to all of all of that she's been going through and what Cy Spurrier does is he uses he uses the the background that he set up in Uncanny Spider-Man to redefine Nightcrawler's origin so mm -hmm. up until now well we've always known that Mystique was uh, Nightcrawler's mother but we've we've been through a whole thing where uh, this demon Azazel mm -hmm. was supposed to be his father and this t it, it, it never sat right and this this story this exploration of Mystique and Nightcrawler's history uh, takes that and wipes it away and and shows us the true parentage of Nightcrawler and this is something that that annoyed um, a lot of folks who probably fall within the um, uh, sort of toxic masculinity misogynistic sort of element of the spectrum mm -hmm. because what we find out is that is that Nightcrawler has two mothers Mystique and Destiny and that Mystique can't just change shape she changes at a genetic level and can change gender and everything else so Mystique is actually in some ways Nightcrawler's father mm -hmm. and Destiny is his mother okay. uh, which is it was, it, was, it was a wee bit of a controversy I suppose the issue is narrated by a bump which is kind of like a, a mini Nightcrawler there's a that, that have been on the scene for the past few years but this one particular one is interesting it was an interesting narrative choice could have been maybe the the only slight misstep of the issue was choosing that character as a as a as a narrator but it also links back to uh legion and, and a whole lot of stuff but the way cyspurrier uses elements of the hellfire gala to unlock the true history of nightcrawler's origin as mystique and destiny's son and how the powerful attack professor xavier ousted on the mutants to try and get them away from the hellfire gala and get them off the planet has caused mystique's problems it's a beautifully crafted story you know how it explains what's been happening in, in the uncanny spider-man it's a it's a standalone story by itself it leaves me with great interest in what's it explores mystique and destiny's relationship through the ages and i'm really interested for what is next for mystique for destiny for for nightcrawler and now that mystique knows the truth because she wasn't aware of this mm. It's, there's a new layer that can be added to their relationship to them and Kurt's relationship creating a stronger link between Nightcrawler and his two mothers and just seeing what that will release in Kurt and where, where he'd go next so I mean for me it's a story that built stronger connections and established characters that family bond add new layers to those three characters showing once again why Mystique should probably have her own comic book um, and here's hoping for a few more Mystique, Nightcrawler and Destiny stories in the post-Fall of X um, era. So my my top book, just because it was so clever, uh, so well written and, and beautifully illustrated, is X-Men Blue Origins number one, the one shot from Cy Spurrier. Yeah, I mean, it's not one that I've personally read. I mean, I, I read bits and pieces of X-Men here and there, but with this issue I knew something had happened with it because it wasn't one again that we'd ordered an awful lot of, and even though it was a one-shot, but it sold out and then I started having people asking me for it and could I get it for them and I managed to source copies here and there for other people. So it was a book that obviously it was invoking discussion which mm -hmm. and yep. therefore it had people talking and some people wanted to read it as a result. As you say, it's it and Wonder Woman in a weird way have a very similar overlap in that toxic masculinity I don't think likes either book, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, as I say, I knew anything with Spurrier as well, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be good and, and usually quite discussion-provoking, I think, as well. Yeah, he's he's some writer. He really yeah. is. The, yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to uh, Constantine Dead in America. The, uh, yeah, there'll definitely be a discussion about that, number one, in an yes. upcoming episode, I can assure you. And again, <laughs> as with Al Ewing, one of the, one of the architects of the Krakoan era and the, the fall of X, mm -hmm. uh, alongside Kieran Gillen, uh, all three of which I was... Uh, it was great to see them at... Uh, Thought Bubble a couple yeah. years ago. Excellent, excellent. So X-Men Blue Origins for Keith and Wonder Woman number four for myself for best single issue, which is just going to leave us with one last uh, 
category to finish off on and that is best number one of the year and don't worry we're not reverting to type with this there's not a dc or a marvel book to be found uh i'll kick things off uh you probably could have guessed what mine was going to be given how glowing i was talking about my favorite artist of the year and uh i think this for me stood head and shoulders above everything this year in terms of a number one what it should do um paying respect to what came before it but feeling fresh and new um and giving you exactly what you wanted but just not in the way you expected it and that for me is transformers number one so transformers basically it was a, a license that uh robert kirkman has been able to bring across the image he's been a long time image con or long time transformers fan uh he's setting up this energon universe including gi joe and duke and stuff like well not even gi joe duke and cobra commander and stuff like that and um, with transformers one you had the play a very tricky balance you had to not annoy the people who were fans from the past yep you had to appeal to brand new people who had never read transformers before in their mm -hmm. life who, who knew none of the lore you had to try and appeal to people whose only uh, exposure to transformers is michael bay movies uh, and you had to appeal to comic fans so what do you do you bring in the best writer artist in the game <laughs> daniel warren johnson i can't i can't argue with you i mean it's just the buzz around the book, that book was phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it is so gratifying to see something like that where the buzz is so huge, but where it delivers. Delivers in um, every aspect. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it just, it's a more mature take on the genera on G G1, as they call it, Generation yeah. 1 Transformers. It's telling a story that certainly I know very, very well. I've got the, the, the first season G1 box set there if you want to borrow it. You, you two can know the story very, very well. And <laughs> in some ways, because you know the story so well, the changes that they make to it are, are so welcome. Yeah. Um, just the, the, the changing of the tone. It's, it's almost like, I mean, 80s, early 80s cartoons were, are kind of ridiculous in, a, in the best way. Mm -hmm. Cheesy. What Daniel Warren Johnson is doing with Transformers Generation 1 is the same as what Kevin Smith has done for masters of the universe with revelation and revolution and he's he's bringing it all together these disparate elements that maybe always didn't necessarily make sense mm -hmm. you know but but we're all there and he, he's bringing them together and he's making a cohesive whole and he's there's a certain tone to it um and there's a certain style to it i mean and there, there really isn't anybody more stylish in the in the industry is there it's a talked about book for a reason and yeah. they're if you hadn't chosen this as your number one, as your best number one, I would have chosen it as my best number one. <laughs> a common thread for for some of our uh, elements here in general, or some of our picks in general. I mean, that's the thing, and it, it. I just I felt the buzz was big around it because it was Transformers, it was Daniel Warren Johnson, Kirkman was involved. It was Image. It was a brand new jumping on point for uh, new fans. So I ordered big on this book. Like I never order this level of book. I just don't. I ordered a hundred copies of cover A. I ordered four one to 25s 10 one to 10s a one to 100 which now actually is uh, uh encapsulated in a cgc case got a 9.8 grade beautiful uh -huh. foil cover Lovely. and the reason i ordered so big on it was i was just confident it would sell yeah. even over time not just like it's taken me seven years to get to this point with the store but i no longer rely on everything to sell in the first week you can play the long game exactly it used to be in the past if a, if a book didn't sell within the first week or maybe first two weeks i'd be like why did i order this in but people are consistently coming back for Transformers. I have four copies of issue one left in the whole store. I've even started getting the second printings of number one in. I mean, because the word's still out there. Because the, word's know, spreading and it's four issues deep, and people are like, "I need to see what this is about." People are talking about this like it's the best thing ever. You know, I had someone come in to me the other day. I sourced them the first four issues, and sh straight away they signed up for the rest of the series because they just loved it. So. What he did that was smart was, and I was reading up in an article about this, was it used to be like back in the 90s and stuff like that. It used to be like you talking about those nostalgic things. People are like, that's silly. This is what we're doing now. But it's the opposite now. It's people want that nostalgia. And I think that nostalgia is very strong, certainly in comics at the moment. Uh, Transformers has launched brilliantly. G.I. Joe is doing well with all those tie-in series. We have Thundercats has just been... I think the most ordered book of the decade yeah, in oh, terms of volume. That, and that's, that's, yeah, I'm that's really, Declan I'm really Shelby and Drew that. Moss. That's going to be big and that actually launches in the next week or two. And again, I've ordered big on it. 
And the thing with Transformers as well is the only book in our store that is on more pull lists is Chip Zdarsky's Batman. Transformers is more than Spider-Man, more than Venom, more than any X-Men title, more than Superman, more than Walking Dead Deluxe. And not one person has said, oh, yeah, I don't want to be on this anymore. That's that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. Did absolutely everything a number one should do. It was fast-paced. It was exciting. It it focused on the characters, though, as well. The artwork was exceptional, and it felt fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic mm-hmm. book. So, yeah, Transformers, number one for me, best number one of the year. But, of course, it's only possible... Because of my choice. Because of your choice. Best number one of the year. And I'm not going to talk at length about it because we've already mentioned it. You already mentioned it in your best uh, miniseries of Crossover, which was about the Energon universe. So my favorite number one of the year, again, because of what it did, because of who was behind it, and just because it was a damn good book, was Void Rivals number one by uh, Robert Kirkman and his Oblivion song, Compatriot Lorenzo de Felice. It debuted... I think, as at the time, the biggest uh, comic book series of 2023, and it launched, as we've already discussed, the all-new shared Energon universe uh, with a surprise that we did not see coming, <laughs> uh, and that is, of course, the the first appearance of uh, Decepticon Jetfire, which launched the, the, the Transformers, as Alan's just spoken about, uh, with the, uh, the, trans- the classic Transformers sound and then him flying off, but... That, that could easily, any other book that could easily have overshadowed, that moment yeah. could easily have overshadowed, but it didn't. The the tale of what was happening in Void Rivals, uh, which Robert Kirkman has admitted uh, was inspired uh, in part by classic uh, classic uh, Lou Gossett Jr. and Gendela um, Quaid. So <laughs> he was inspired by Enemy Mind. So the the story has war raging around the second ring, the sacred ring, which is where the last remnants of two worlds have collapsed around a black hole and in a never-ending war. And there's two pilots, Derek and his rival Salila, both crash on this desolate planet and must find a way to work together in order to escape together. What they find in that strange planet launches the Energon universe, but the story continues beyond that uh, as we see the dark forces that threaten their universe, that the, the political machinations that are going on in their uh, relative planets, despite the fact, as we know and they know, but that the other people, other the, the, their societies don't know, they are effectively exactly the same, mm-hmm. uh, apart from uh, uh, very, very minor minor differences. We we find out that there's more communication between the two parts of the sacred ring than, than anybody suspects. And uh, we're led into a story of uh, revolt and revolution. And uh, part of that is bringing in all sorts of different elements of the, you know, of the Energon universe sort of scattered throughout. But it came, the first arc came to an end with, with the standard image issue six, uh, I think in December. And we're kicking off again with issue seven in March. Uh, very much, very much looking forward to, to where that goes. So, so not... Not just because it launched the Energon universe, not just because Robert Kirkman continues to be a writer who delights in playing with the medium and playing with the fandom. Yeah. Uh, not just because of, of what it launched, but because it's such a solid book. I look forward to it every time it's released. Uh, Void Rivals number one, uh, my m- issue number one of, of 2023. And what's even more remarkable was you were able to not have that spoiled for you, despite at the time being four weeks behind in your pull list yeah, or something. So this is that, that's <laughs> what comes with being uh, largely largely ignorant of Reddit. <laughs> yeah, as you say, I mean, it's, it's a cracking title even without the Transformers link or without the launch of the Energon universe. So, uh, yeah, very strong book regardless of that. And, yeah, I, I think it's the perfect note to end the best of 2023 on because... You have to say 2023 belongs to the Autobots. <laughs> uh, maybe the Decepticon. Um, well, you know, maybe. Uh, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, 2023, very, very strong year for for comics, whether that, that be based on licenses, whether it be from the big two or whether it be from, from more independent sources. We've got an awful lot to look forward to in 2024. Yeah. Uh, again, from the license side of things, we have Thundercats, uh, there's some cool stuff coming up uh, from Marvel, uh, both in the 
the Spider-Man uh, the ultimate universe has launched the ultimate universe we're looking yeah. forward to Jed McKay's Blood Hunt yeah. which is bringing together the Avengers and Moon Knight Spider-Man Blade and a few others um, and some there'll be some cool stuff coming up for the X-Men with the Fall of X stuff coming in end and seeing what's what's next loads of stuff coming up for DC DC is all under a shroud of mystery at the yes. moment but uh, there's a lot of big rumours around about uh, possible Ultimate Universe equivalents in the DC Universe. There's rumours of Scott Snyder spearheading a big new direction along with Mark Wade. There's there's a lot of rumours at the moment with DC, but yeah, they, they had a strong 2023, I think, with the dawn of DC stuff and they've some you know excellent creators there so and of course i think the future's our, bright all around yeah i mean with our with our on the independent side of things we're looking forward to some new stuff from uh, from our bodies like ram v yeah with, uh, with one hand and six fingers yeah and uh there's some yeah there's some really interesting stuff on the on the indie side as well so oh, big time cutting down those pull lists is just not getting any easier not easier at all <laughs> but anyway guys i hope you enjoyed this that was our sojourn through 2023 uh i'm sure there are countless titles that you're angry as anything we did not even mention but that's just more to do with the sign of the quality of the year uh if we talked about everything we liked we'd be here for 10 hours but uh no thanks for listening as ever any of these uh titles uh, strike a chord with you or you want to know the best way to get into these books whether it's upcoming trade paperback collections or um, single issue format whatever suits just pop into this store and we will get you sorted so yes this was great fun this was great fun and uh, keep uh, keep your out for uh, for more reviews previews and interviews coming from us coffee and here's podcast in 2024 <laughs>